Hello again, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the soothing sounds of my bedroom. If you've never been inside my bedroom, well, that's because we haven't slept together. I'm sorry, ladies and gentlemen, that was a little bit off color, and I'm going to hope to God that the FCC doesn't, you know, <clears throat> snip, snip on my, um commentary for professional wrestling nonetheless now that the first 40 i guess 40 seconds of this show has now elapsed and i have yet to talk about what we will be talking about this week all i've been talking about is like you know what happens in the bedroom stays in the bedroom <clears throat> nonetheless our opening contest and here's here's one thing that really got me you should never, and I mean this, you should never open with a championship match. If anything, you should save your championship matches for the main event of the evening. Or the co-main event of the evening. But me sounding like Michael Buffer saying co-main event of the evening doesn't make any sense however aside from my michael buffer um commentary impression and i hope that he doesn't see this and uh promptly sue me for character defamation i guess opening match for the tnt championship now for those of you who are unaware in aew there is a, well, in wrestling, actually, there is a a minor title and a major title. Your major title would be your World Heavyweight Championships. That's the titles that Ric Flair had won. Woo! 16 times! Even though technically he had won it more than 16 times, they were just counting the number of times that he had won WWE's championship. I mean, the record, let the record state that Ric Flair has won, has vic victoriously obtained, because I don't want to say has won one too many championships or anything like that, has won or has victoriously obtained probably over 30 or 40, maybe even 50 or 60 championships in his entire career. So he probably holds a record if someone were to actually sit down, put pen to paper, and actually um, look at all the look at all the damn dates. <clears throat> Nonetheless, opening match for the TNT Championship, and we're not talking about the um, pay per view right now. We're talking about the week before the pay per view on an AEW event. Don't worry if you're having trouble keeping up with me. You'll be caught up in just a second. I promise. As long as you pay attention. Take a deep breath and listen to what I have to say. Darby Allen versus Andrade El Hidro versus Sammy Guevara, the Spanish god and the champion. Sammy and, Sammy and Darby both with some high-flying action, hard to keep up with, nice back and forth to start. Allen whips El Ooh, I don't speak Spanish. 
Whoops, El Didro. I'm just going to call him Andrade from now on. I don't know why I wrote it down as El Didro, as though that he eats doors. El Door Eater. This is awesome chant. The seventh title match in eight weeks for Sammy Guevara. Tree of Woe, basement drop kick, coast to coast, AEW chant from the crowd. Do you know what passion is? Because if you don't, you would have to watch this opening contest in order to find out the definition of the word passion. I'm not talking about passionate lovemaking, even though at the top of this broadcast I did say, Welcome to the sounds of my bedroom. Well, that's probably because we haven't had sex yet. Uh, you know, that's just me knocking knocking my balls around a little bit. Not literally, but metaphorically. Um, That's just me kind of, you know, trying to keep the pace of the podcast going. Because I just don't want to stand here, sit here. Actually, I'm sitting down. Thank you. I'm in front of a heater. Thank you. But I just don't want to sit here and and then he hit him with a suplex. Oh, why he hit him with a suplex? Oh, not the suplex. Oh, he pinned him. He got the one. He got the two. But then he got the shoulder up. I don't want my commentary to be boring. You know, a lot of people do make a lot of boring commentaries out there. So I want to set mine apart from everyone else's. AEW is a breath of fresh air whenever it comes to the wrestling scene. They are doing absolutely nothing wrong at this point in time. WWE could learn a few things, despite the fact that WWE has been doing it longer than AEW. Just because you've been doing something longer doesn't necessarily mean that you're better at it than somebody else. It just means that you've been the only dog without a contender, without a fighter. So, why don't we go ahead and look at AEW for a second. So, Sammy Guevara retains his championship and I gave this one four out of five stars because honestly, it was electric. You want to talk about doing the electric slide? It was electric. So, prior to this though, I thought for sure that good old Dan Lambert here, yes, that damn Lambert from, uh, he's from one of those UFC promotions, American Top Team, I think. But, Good old Dan Lambert here gave away the end to a pay-per-view match by saying Sammy will, here's what he said, he, quote, will defend his title a week after the pay-per-view match. The only way he can defend, the only way he can defend it, defend it, it's if he wins his championship title match. Little did I know that at the pay-per-view, Sammy Guevara wouldn't have a title defense, which sounds kind of stupid to me. Um, Sammy Guevara should have had a title match, you know? Like, they could have put him up against Sean Spears. They could have put him up against um, 
They could have taken someone out of the um, ladder match that we're going to talk about here in just a minute. And they could have had a one-on-one match there. (laughs) These multi-man matches are killing me, honestly. Because they don't need to have so many tag team matches. They don't need to have so many multi-man matches. And on top of that, if you're going to have a multi-man match, at least make the cap of the multi-men that are in it four or five. You don't need six, seven, eight. You know, that bogs it down a little bit. Earlier I said AEW is doing nothing wrong. The truth is, major, like big picture-wise, they're doing nothing wrong. These are small nitpicks. Very small nitpicks that a lot of fans, as well as myself, wish that they would do away with. They don't need... Even though their roster's big, they don't have to flex that, you know? They don't have to be like, oh, and there's not a singles match in sight. Ladies and gentlemen, that's right. We're burning the house down tonight. We're going to have nothing but eight men matches. Eight men. And then we're going to move on to the women's division. And there's going to be 16 women in the ring at the same time. You know, like, not everyone is going to get TV time. You just have to learn to schedule that. If if they were smart, and honestly, I'm the smart one, so why don't they listen to me? If they were smart, they would make two rosters. So that, like SmackDown and Raw, for instance. WWE has two, three rosters now, actually, if you count NXT. But SmackDown and Raw, for instance... WWE's roster was so big that they put about 20 people on SmackDown and 20 people on Monday Night Raw. And throughout that divide, they were able to make at least five or six matches on a weekly basis to put people up against uh, one another and still have a healthy amount of multi-man matches and still have a healthy amount of... um, one-on-one or no disqualification matches, special guest referee matches, um, matches that have certain stipulations that would keep someone relevant, interviews, um, uh, pluggings of of their merchandising, commercials, uh, stuff of that nature. You know, like, there has to be a healthy amount. Not every other match needs to be either a tag team match or a fatal four-way or a a ten-man battle royal. Once again, even though it sounds like it's a major, major thing that I'm bitching about, it's not only my opinion, but it's also the opinion of of most of their fans that I've heard about. Not every other match has to be a tag team match, is my point. Or a fatal fucking 12-way, a fatal 14-way, a fatal 18-way. A 20-man battle royal over the top, um, and the only way that you can lose is if you grease monkey uh, an Allen ranch to your opponent's fucking face. My point is, you don't, don't go crazy with the stipulations, okay? Just calm down, take a breath, take a step back, look at the creation that you have, and now your roster is even fucking bigger because you bought Ring of Honor? 
Seriously? You bought out the Briscoe Brothers. You bought out the fucking EC3 and, and the Kingdom. I don't know his name. He calls himself the Kingdom. He's the Ring of Honor champion to my knowledge. Uh, he's hanging, hang, hanging out with that uh, girl. Her name is Scarlet. Oh, uh, man. Um... I don't even know Scarlett's last name, you know, it shows how much of a wrestling fan I am, I guess, but I don't watch Ring of Honor all that much, I usually catch up on it by a newsletter on Yahoo Answers sometimes, while I'm looking for memes, one of those memes has to do with um, people spelling the word pregnant wrong for whatever reason. One guy posts, can you get pregante if you use birth control on a man? <laughs> what? <laughs> Look at you spell pregnant, bruh. Keith Lee versus J.D. Drake. Okay, now this one's funny because Limitless Keith Lee gets an entrance. He gets entrance music. He gets to come out. Not even while they're at commercial. They get to introduce... Limitless Keith Lee. And then whenever he comes out, he kind of does this motion with his hand. And then the the crowd basks in his glory. Um, What's really funny about this is that Keith Lee's record is 1-0. And, and J.D. Drake's record is 0-2. and two, And J.D. Drake did not get an entrance. He came out to the ring while it was on commercial break. And then after they get done announcing Keith Lee. Like, limitless Keith Lee. And then he says, and his opponent, already in the ring. Wait a minute. Time out. You mean to tell me that that man didn't get no pyro? He didn't get an entrance? Is he not important? I guess he's not important enough, especially if he's got a record of zero and two. This, ladies and gentlemen, is what you call a jobber. It's someone who loses to make someone else look good. And this match was really... Well... For a one-on-one -on -one contest against someone who's trying to make you look good, it was honestly really good. Even though I gave the rating two out of five stars. Because it was just, it was just like, oh, he comes out, he headbutts Keith Lee a few times, uh, he tries to beat Keith Lee, you know, he, he chops him, he chops down the big oak tree. Keith Lee, by the way, is around 330 pounds, maybe, maybe north of 340, so he's a big boy. And for a big boy, he shouldn't be able to move as fast as he does. But, um, anyway. Yeah, I just wrote down here that Drake didn't get an entrance. Wow. You know, if I could, I'd play the sad music right now. They ask you if you're okay, and you, you have to say that, that you are okay, even though you're not okay. You know, Katy Perry saying that. Um, and then after that, we get Serena Deeb had a 
running gag where she would come out and she would have this five minute challenge. What this really reminds me of is Kurt Angle back in the day. <clears throat> Whenever Angle would come out, um, he used to hold these Olympic uh, gold medal challenges. And the goal was either to last five minutes in the ring with him and you can have his gold medals or or make him pin or tap out. Which, honestly, is almost impossible, seeing as though that he's an Olympic wrestler at the Olympic level. It's going to be impossible to do that, but to last five minutes with him, that seems a little bit more foreseeable, especially if you're running around the ring like a moron, playing you can't catch me with him. But um, no one ever thought of that, you know. And every week he would always win, and then he would win. He, he would win like eight or nine times, and then... Uh, Eugene came out one time and Kurt Angle underestimated Eugene and Eugene ended up taking Kurt Angle's gold medal <clears throat> until Angle got him back like a week later in a match for Kurt Angle's gold medals. I swear those gold medals have been through a lot because on one episode Steve Austin actually took the gold medals and he um, threw them into the uh, Mississippi River or the um Tennessee River one one of the two you know like I, I'm not sure um all I remember him saying is that you know you want your medals he says go go fetch them <laughs> he's like go heat bitch <laughs> but um anyway uh Serena Deeb uh five minute challenge and I give it two out of five stars um it really expresses how dominant that she is that she came out and she practically ended this girl uh Layla Gray in like 7.9 seconds or 9.5 seconds you know she grabbed her while she was trying to run away and then got her in like a standing arm bar uh just I forget what the submission was it was over in a in a flash honestly as soon as it started, <clears throat> Layla Gray didn't last five minutes. R.I.P. Layla Gray. Christian Cage versus All Ego Ethan Page. And honestly, I gave it three out of five stars. It was a match to determine who the last entry for the ladder match that we will be talking about. Face of the Revolution ladder match. This is what I mean by... <clears throat> bogging down your um contenders with too many talents it's like playing too many cooks okay you can't have too many cooks in the kitchen and ask them to make one simple thing because they're all going to have different uh, uh opinions on what kind of bread do you what kind of bread to use and oh my god does he does he want lettuce does he want mayonnaise of course i want mayonnaise you know but that's not that's neither here nor there and what I mean to say is that you can't play too many cooks, especially in a wrestling match. But this one got three out of five stars for me. It was really back and forth. It was um, it was honestly one of the most beautiful wrestling matches you'll ever see in your entire life, even though I only gave it three out of five stars. There isn't a bad match on this card, despite the fact that I've given like two two out of five star ratings. All of these are like really entertaining and the Dan Lambert thing that I was talking about 
Uh, I thought that he gave away the end to the pay-per-view match by saying that Sammy was going to win and then go on to face his the guy that he was backing, Scorpio Sky. Turns out I was wrong um, because Sammy wouldn't um, he wouldn't get to face his um, but honestly, he wouldn't get to defend his title or he wouldn't defend his title, whichever one. Uh, I mean, <clears throat> the <clears throat> play of the night, though, had to be where Darby Allen was uh, beating Andrade with his belt. He literally took his belt off and beat this boy, and uh, he only s slapped him, like, twice with his uh, belt that had, like, metal studs on it, and then he threw it out. Uh, Taz on commentary said, don't throw it out. It's got metal studs on it. He said, you could really do some damage. <clears throat> but I guess he didn't see it that way. <sighs> okay, so the, the pay-per-view started there shortly after, and we've got a lot to talk about. So, the first thing I want to talk I want to talk about is the fact that um JR, oh good old Jim Ross, he forgets where they're at. So, the opening uh before the opening contest, the first thing you hear is we are live. No, I'm sorry. He says, "It's Sunday, and you know what that means." <laughs> and then he says we are live here in a, in uh uh and then he he starts to stumble and then he goes where are we tony and then he says we're in florida and he's like yeah we're in florida <laughs> he's he forgot where we were i think it's the old age catching up with good old jr it's it's honestly great to see jim ross on a commentary commentary desk um especially seeing as though that everything that he had to go through in wwe to get to where he is today and all the ridiculing all the being made fun of um <clears throat> he sued them for a pretty penny um because of defamation of character and there was one episode on monday night raw where he and I don't, I want to say that it was planned, you know, that it was staged or whatever, because everything that you see on there, I mean, it's on TV, so it must be staged. I mean, the FCC didn't pull the plug. They didn't add censors later on. They didn't, I mean, they might have apologized for it. I don't know. But um, on an episode of Monday Night Raw, they had Jim Ross in the ring, and he was a bloody, bloody mess. And they took a cinder block and they put the cinder block up by his up by his head and him defenseless and they kicked the cinder block into his face <laughs> honestly it's that's some of the hardest some of the hardest most grotesque thing that you would ever see in your entire life but hopefully they paid him good or something you know cuz i i don't I don't know. That just sounds. 
that that just sounds like it's a little bit too much. Like you don't take a cinder block and um you know kick it into somebody's face. I don't I don't know how I feel about that. Well, AW Revolution 2021. Where are we, Tony? Basically what JR is asking. In the first match of the night, we get Eddie Kingston versus Chris Jericho. And the first thing you see is Eddie Kingston go for that half-and-half half suplex. And whenever he hits it, Jericho, Jericho looks like he's been spun for a loop. And then you know you're in for a, a fight, and a great one if that. I expected Chris Jericho to win this one. I expected Chris Jericho to pull off victorious because he had in two or three other um, contests before this one. But had that been the case, Jericho Jericho honestly lost this one, and I'm not even mad about it because they put on a hell of a fight. They put on a hell of an event they put on a hell of a match and for an opener just to get the crowd all warmed up especially considering what we've got planned and stored for the next few minutes this match was amazing this match was especially for an opener cat i'm gonna have some words especially for an opener do apologize for that ladies and gentlemen <clears throat> This match was just the cherry on top of this entire event. I hope that I don't use that phrase again, the cherry on top, because how can this be the cherry unless, of course, I'm just flicking cherries off and then I'm just putting a new cherry on top. <clears throat> but this was honestly left a good taste in my mouth. The cherry that left the good taste in my mouth is what I should say. Now, here's where we go into deep waters. Now, as I stated before, Ring of Honor recently got purchased by All Elite Wrestling. Red Dragon, Super Kick Party, and Jurassic Express. Out of the three teams that are competing in our next match... Red Dragon and Superkick Party are two Ring of Honor original teams. That's where they got their start, pretty much at least. That's where they got their big break mainstream-wise. Red Dragon is made up of Kyle O'Reilly and Bob Bobby Fish. <clears throat> Superkick Party is made up of Nick and Matt Jackson, not to be confused with um, the Jackson Five. And not only are they called the Super Kick Party, but they're also, in some circles, called the Young Bucks. Now, the Young Bucks is what their names were whenever they were in Ring of Honor. Not whenever they were in, um, AEW, like they are now. Whenever they're in AEW, they're no longer called Young Bucks. They're called Super Kick Party. And then we have our champions... The Jurassic Express, Jungle Boy, and Luchasaurus, which are our tag team. They are our tag team champions at the time of this match. And it is a three-way tag team titles match. So here's how the rules, 
here's how the rules go down. Basically, it's like, um, even though you have two teams, I'm sorry, even though you have three teams, you can only have two people starting the match at one time. So what that means is the champions have to start the match. At least one of them have to start the match. And then one of their four contenders, one of their two teams, one of their two opponents' teams has to start the match with one of the champions. So let's say Luchasaurus, or rather Jungle Boy, um, started the match with Nick Jackson. That's all that you could have in one in the ring at the same time until somebody tagged out. Now you can tag your partner or you can tag someone else's partner. The strategy that you're supposed to go with is to tag in two teams and then let them do all of the um, roughhousing, hope that they hurt each other enough to wherever you're able to then tag yourself in as the fresh man come in and then just win because they're already exhausted but you've been you know you've been in your corner just enjoying a margarita if margaritas are your thing nonetheless this match was amazing we got a lot and i mean a lot of passionate crowd chants we got and the storytelling aspect of this, especially considering everything coming full circle, Ring of Honor-wise, like I said, Ring of Honor got purchased by AEW this past week. Um, had that been the case, that also means that any trademarks that Ring of Honor held is now held by AEW now. Um, had that been the case, and I'm sorry that I keep saying had that been the case, but in this case, that is the case. Wish I had a briefcase in front of me. Wait, could I that I could open it up and then just be like, that's the case. Um <clears throat> if it were to be that way, and in this case it is that way. Red Dragon is technically right back where they started. <clears throat> Young Bucks Super Kick Party is technically right back where they started. It came full circle for them. Um, and honestly, this match, it woke the crowd up and it was really, really good. It was really electric. I need to stop talking about it, but I gave it four and a half out of five stars. I was hoping to find a match that would top it later on in the night. And who knows? Maybe I did. Face of the Revolution ladder match as Christian Cage versus Powerhouse Hobbs versus Ricky Stark versus Orange Cassidy versus Keith Lee versus Ward Wardlow, and I gave it three out of five stars. I didn't see the ending coming that they showed showed me. Um. Uh, I don't know how to explain it. I thought for sure that Cassidy was going to win. Orange Cassidy was a shoo as far as I knew. They were going to strap the rocket to that young man, but he had two or three opportunities, and he almost got it. 
and he's really entertaining too. But, or if anything, Christian Cage would have won because he won his match last week against uh, all ego Ethan Page. Um, <clears throat> and technically, Keith Lee is still undefeated. Um, this was a multi man match. Not to say that it's not going to go against his record of his 1 and 0, or now 2 and 0, thanks to the match that he had against JD Drake um, last week. But that would only count against him if that was like a singles match, you know? But it's still going to reflect his record as saying that he's 2 and 1, but. In singles matches, he's undefeated, is what they can say. <clears throat> Nonetheless, like I said, I gave it three out of five stars. It was really good. Um, TBS Women's Championship, and I don't know why I put that, because the TBS title is the women's title. The women's minor championship is what I should say, because we've still got another women's match to get to talk about more or less <clears throat> sorry I just ate some chicken livers and I don't think they're agreeing with me um no but by putting the TBS women's and I'm putting that in air quotes by putting the TBS women's championship I'm implying that there's a TBS men's championship out there and there's not so I should have just put the TBS championship but I wanted people to understand that it was a women's title. I mean, if you're a wrestling fan, then you honestly already know that. But once again, I'm trying to fill in the blanks for those of you who tune in each and every week because you like my soothing commentary or something. You know, I don't know. You bunch of weirdos. Or because I ask my friends to listen to this and they they actually comply and I'm not sure why, but... I'm not complaining. My numbers are going up. I appreciate the support. Anyway, the TBS Women's Championship. For the third time, I say that and still don't review the match. As Ty Conte versus Jade Cargill. <laughs> and Jade surprised me. She came out looking like Jade from Mortal Kombat and the first thing that she does whenever her and Ty Conte meet is she puts on the most devastating the most devastating wrestling hold the lip lock and I'm not joking she kisses this girl right in front of God and everybody the referee behind them, whenever they're looking each other in the eyes, the referee looks disgusted whenever he sees it. And I was surprised. The only other time that I've seen the lip lock, the only other two times that I've seen the lip lock, excuse me, because I did see it one other time. One other time was when Ric Flair ran over and kissed Becky Lynch. Um, and the first time that I seen it, 
um, Brie Bella kissed AJ Lee. And it's almost like whenever that happens, commentary just stops. They just don't, they just don't acknowledge it. Oh, sure. There, there's a wrestling match later on in the night wherever they're bleeding, and then they talk about the blood and how profuse it is and how it's drooping into his eyes and whatever else. But whenever it comes to a girl kissing another girl, we're just going to... Look around, guys. Give the innocent whistle, you know. You know like, what is this, a cartoon? Like, come on, guys. we That's the first thing that Jade Cargill does. And she does it, I think I know why, to catch Ty Conte off of guard. Because who's going to suspect, or for that matter, who's going to expect a lip lock at the beginning of a wrestling match? <clears throat> I'll give you guys a hint. Nobody. Nobody expects it. And that's why it's so devastating, as I aforementioned. Anyway, I'm starting to lose my voice. I gave this one three out of five stars. Because. It's. <laughs> it's beautiful in the fact that. Everything that happens, you know, it's hard to explain. These two put on a great showing, but the hype that came before this, because for weeks, Ty Conte had been in Jade Cargill's head, or so she had thought. It's hard to explain. Like I said, I can't go over the history between Jade and, and Ty Conte. Jade Cargill and Ty Conte. I don't know why I would say one's first and last name and then say one's last and first name. But anyway, Jade Cargill retains her championship um, and she comes out to this this guy who's playing her entrance music as her entrance music is playing in the background off of some speakers. She got a hell of an entrance. She got a hell of a performance. Next, we go to our... Now, let me make sure that I'm right here. Is that our semi-main event? Okay. Our semi-main event is the... Okay. Is the tag team match. Once again, I, I hate these multi-man matches because I'm looking at that and it looks so, like, messy. Like, messy, messy, messy. And it's not my handwriting. I know that's for damn sure. Because I can read my own goddamn handwriting. Next we have our third, I want to say, I could be wrong, our third to last match. So there's possibly three other matches other than this one, but this one tells a beautiful story. After weeks and weeks of MJF just messing with the head of CM Punk, 
so much so that he actually beat CM Punk. Everybody on Twitter was like, well, a win is a win. So he must have used some dirty tactic in order to beat CM Punk. CM Punk's undefeated streak is now the like 12 and 0 or 12 and 1 at this point. Um which honestly is pretty impressive. But MJF starts off playing with the crowd. You know how I told you about the Ring of Honor thing? That's going to come into play here in just a second. Everything comes full circle. Remember that. MJF plays with the crowd because you'll hear this so that's supposed to be the cue for CM Punk to come out of the come out of the um curtain there after you hear look in my eyes what do you see the cult of personality after you hear that you're supposed to see CM Punk come out but instead it interrupts CM Punk's theme song and it plays MJF's theme song instead. And then this man comes out and he's got this smug look on his face like, yeah, I fooled you all. You're not going to get to see your precious CM Punk. And then he, he waltzes his way to the ring. And then the next thing that you hear is not. <laughs> Look in my eyes, what do you see? Because CM Punk, in of himself, is playing mind games with MJF, as MJF was playing mind games with the crowd who loves CM Punk. See, if you can't get to the person, then you get to who they love. Or who love them, rather. In this case. And in this case, you get some picturesque music that you've probably never heard of before unless you've listened to music in the 90s. Off of AFI's first album called The Song of Sorrow, I think it, I think the name of the album is. You hear nothing from nowhere, I'm no one at all, ready for something, it's one solid call, as we all have one black rose. I guess that's what he says, at least. That's just my interpretation of the song. I've only heard it like five or six times in my life. And um, after that, it's a whole bunch of screaming. I never really paid attention to what happens after he starts screaming. But um, anyway, CM Punk comes out and the commentary goes wild talking about how it was. It's all coming full circle now. CM Punk comes out to the entrance music that he used back in Ring of Honor. And then for me, it clicked right there while I was watching it. Everything thus far has revolved around Ring of Honor. 
practically everything has revolved around Ring of Honor. That's been the focal point of this match and everything under it. MJF is such a good villain. <clears throat> he plays not only with your emotions. If you've watched the story unfold in front of you like I have. He made me feel sorry for him. Only to lure his childhood friend in to a false sense of security. And then stab him in the back twice. MJF is such a good villain that he can sell you a story. Because CM Punk said that the meeting of MJF whenever he was 16, 17, 15 was just another Friday for him. But MJF said Aside from what CM Punk just got done saying, that the meeting for that the meeting from him was just another Friday. It was just another Friday for CM Punk. For MJF, it meant so much more than that. So he wanted you to believe. Because MJF came out and he talked about how it was hard growing up as a Jew, how he wasn't accepted, and how he thought to himself that he needed to fit in. And the only way that he could find out how to fit in was to try out for the football team. And he makes the football team. He makes the football team only to be, about a week goes by, he said, and there's these football players, and they're looking, they're looking across the hallway to him, and they're looking at him, they look mad. And they've got these these rolls of quarters in their hands, and they're throwing them at him, throwing those quarters at him in rolls. And then they're saying, "Pick him up, pick him up, Jew boy, pick him up, Jew boy." He said, for the first time in his life, whenever he was on the football team, he felt like he was accepted. Never rejected. He said, but that was the first time in his life where he had actually felt like he belonged somewhere. And you want to know what the... I hate to flick the cherry on top that we just put on at the beginning of the program. But this one takes the cake, ladies and gentlemen, because MJF 
puts the cherry on top of the cherry and then I take a wood stake or a screw and I screw the cherry straight down into the Sunday because he cried. He sold it so well to gain CM Punk's trust only to stab him into the, in the back. Telling you this story, I've got goosebumps because it's such good storytelling. And I'm trying to give you the short version because I've practically just got an hour to work with and it's almost over and I've still got three matches left. Ladies and gentlemen, this dog collar match took the cake. I gave it five out of five stars. Beautiful storytelling. They bled all over each other. There was violence. There was... <clears throat> beautiful storytelling. Beautiful wrestling. And for that matter, a great ending. Where we seen Wardlow, the man who won the Face of the Revolution ladder match earlier in earlier on in the night he came out and he was looking for MJF's diamond ring but Wardlow couldn't find it that was until he was looking CM Punk straight in the eyes and then he said oh it was in the other pocket and then he pulls it out and then he puts it right on the ring apron right as <clears throat> MJF right as MJF was laying face down in the canvas CM Punk picked him up from the dog collar that they were both chained to and then he said how about now Max and Max spits on him MJF spits on his hero CM Punk and then CM Punk took that ring that was in his hand and then he just decked him one good time with it. He wins via pinfall, and it was beautiful. The hero always triumphs in the end. AEW <clears throat> Women's Championship as Dr. Britt Baker, DMD, went up against Thunder Rosa. And honestly, this match was not as good as the last match. You know, usually in a wrestling pay-per-view, what you want to see is you want to see the matches gradually get better. This match was okay. Not to say that I wanted to see Thunder Rosa bleed, or Dr. Britt Baker bleed, but I might have... You know, had it been me, I would have put this match before the dog collar match, but I guess that's just me. Um, Honestly, it told a great story. I gave it three out of five stars. Even though my review says that I gave it four out of five stars, I don't think... There was a lot of interference. There was a lot of um, Rebel, which is like Dr. Britt Baker's best friend. And Jamie Hayter, which is like Dr. Britt Baker's other best friend, getting involved. And Thunder Rosa had this match won like twice. 
I'm not mad about it. I might seem a little bit upset, but those are just classic hill antics that I can't be mad over. And Dr. Britt Baker plays the hill so, so good. The next match on our card was Daniel. I'm sorry. Did I just have a stroke? <clears throat> Daniel Bryan doesn't exist. Was Brian Danielson versus John Moxley? JR brought up a little nugget on commentary that I went ahead and looked up. <clears throat> he said that these two haven't faced off since 2013. So I looked that up. Their match in 2013. Is well, I don't know how to put this, but uh, you would have had more fun greasing horse piss to win a to win a. You would have had more fun greasing horse piss to win a wedding race on the Fourth of July while it was raining outside in the middle of winter. But their match in 2013 pales in comparison to this one. Because like the previous dog collar match, this one brings blood. This one brought guts. This one brought no fear. And for that matter, this one brought a five-star rating that it much deserves. Daniel Bryan's Brian Danielson versus John Moxley. High stakes match with hardly no build. We want violence chant at the beginning of the match. You hear the crowd straight off like they know what's going to happen. They've seen John Moxley before in this kind of environment with the CZW. If you watched any of his stuff from CZW... They had a staple gun one time, and they stapled a piece of paper to a man's head. Um, they had these fluorescent light bulbs that they would use all the time, um, just smacking each other in the head and asking for more, even though, you know, you're you're still standing, and you've got blood pouring down your... to where your your eyeballs are, you know, and it's hard to see anything. The first person to bleed in this match was John Moxley, which he profusely said, I'm not tagging with anyone until I bleed with them first. Really, John? Let me take you back to Survivor Series. When exactly did you bleed with Roman Reigns and Seth Rollins before you teamed up with them? Okay, and... Let me take you back before Survivor Series at an event called CZW, or at a wrestling promotion called CZW. In CZW, when exactly did you bleed with Sammy? What's his name? What's his name? What's his name? Ah, uh, shit. I'm drawing a blank. Sammy, 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 uh, Sammy. He's he's called the draw. Come on, I can think of this one. <clears throat> Switchblade conspiracy. When exactly? Well, I don't. I guess I don't know the man's last name. Callahan. 
There it is. Sammy Callahan. Holy crap, man. I swear. I need to get a drink of water. When exactly did you bleed with Sammy Callahan before you teamed up with him, you crazy son of a bitch? Because prior to popular belief, you hadn't bled with none of those before you teamed up with them. So what do you mean you don't team up with someone? I'm putting that in air quotes before you bleed with them first. And I'm going to hope to God, especially the CM Punk match, CM Punk MJF match. I'm going to hope to God that none of them have any bloodborne illness illnesses because it's going to make it extremely, extremely hard for me to put my foot into the wrestling business to get my foot in the door of the wrestling business, knowing that they're openly allowing like people with hepatitis to bleed on me, you know, like that's, that's a little concerning. This match almost had no build to it. It's almost like they were just backstage and then they were like, Brian, you don't have a match for revolution, do you? And then John just walks out of the bathroom and then they're like, John, you don't have a match for revolution, do you? And then he's just picking the toilet paper out of his shoe and they're like, oh crap, you're right. We don't, we don't have a revolution match. Hey, I got an idea. You should make us a tag team. And as I said, multi-man matches solve nothing. But then they were like, no, 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 no. We shouldn't make you a tag team. Not yet. And after the match is over, which honestly it was surprising how it how it ended, because Moxley getting the victory over Danielson. Here's the here's the problem with that, and I don't see it as a problem, but some people might because <clears throat> as far as brawling goes, John Moxley is the better brawler. But as far as because. Whenever Danielson was hitting him, he was like, come on, hit me again. Hit me again, goddammit. I dare you to hit me one more time. He's like, step, cross the line. Do it again. Cross the line. Do it one more time. I dare you. Come on. I bet you a nickel you won't cross the line again. I bet you you won't kick me in the liver again. He's like, I bet you you won't punch me in the face one more time. And then he just kept wailing at him and kicking him and hitting him and punching him. John Moxley is a tough son of a bitch. But Moxley might be the the better brawler, but as far as technical wrestling goes, Daniel Bryan Brian Danielson rather <laughs> Brian Daniel Bryan doesn't exist. I'm sorry, I keep saying that. Brian Danielson is the better technical wrestler. So whenever you put a wrestler with a a knockdown drag out like John Moxley, you're going to have honestly I thought I thought for sure that this match was going to be boring. I was wrong. I'm glad I was wrong. <clears throat> and the next match that we get on the card is the AHF 
O. Hardy Farm Huh? Office? Oh, okay, it's the Andre Hardy Farm Office versus Sammy Guevara, the champion, Sting, and Darby Allen. So you got Andrade, um, Matt Hardy, and Isaiah Cassidy. What was essentially booked as a um, six-man tag team, six-man tornado tag team match. And one of the highlights of this match, I don't remember much from it, but honestly, one of the highlights is seeing Sting do a dive off of a rafter and onto like three tables onto Matt Hardy or it was onto Andrade rather um <clears throat> and I didn't put a rating down for it I don't know why honestly maybe I was exhausted because I went through this emotional roller coaster with John Moxley and Brian Danielson. But keep in mind that Sting is north of 60 years old. And in WWE, they told him that they didn't want him to wrestle anymore. Whenever he was in WWE, they practically told him that they wanted him to be a commentator or a referee or a backstage hand, someone who maybe trains people or shows them the ropes, so to speak, so that the younger generation can get their foot in the door. But Sting didn't see it that way. And it sucked because it was practically like his first match back to WWE. Once he went and got that triple bypass neck surgery that they told him to go get, and then they would, quote, talk to him about a return, they just shut the door in his face. And then they said, no, we can't afford any more neck surgeries. We can't afford to have people having concussions. And you're 60 years old. They were looking at him like he was some old man. When in fact he's not. He's a spry chicken. And he proved it here. Whenever he put Andrade through a table. Nonetheless, our main event of the evening. Ladies and gentlemen, finally, we're here. I thought for sure that it would say an hour and 25 minutes for sure before we get to the main event though <clears throat> you know how I said that everything comes full circle to ring of honor when sting was in a fatal four-way match against so there was sting Matt Morgan if I remember correctly Kurt Angle and AJ Styles so, Sting hit the Scorpion Death Drop on Kurt Angle and looked straight across the ring to his adversary, AJ Styles. And whenever he looked straight across his, uh, straight across the ring to an adversary known as AJ Styles, 
AJ's much younger than Sting at this time. And AJ, for that matter, had no championship belts under his waist. It was probably like his debut for the company. Um, Not that match debut, but like the pay-per-view debut is what I'm going to imagine. <clears throat> Sting looked straight at AJ Styles that night, and then he left. He He just... After he hit the Scorpion Death Drop on Kurt Angle, he could have finished Kurt Angle. He could have pinned him one, two, three. And whenever I say finished, I don't mean like finish him. But whenever he left, AJ Styles picked up the pieces. Sting turned around to see AJ get the one, get the two, and then get the three. And then as they were announcing the winner, Sting came into the ring and he hugged AJ Styles. And uh, put his hand in the air like he was the winner. Um, the reason that I bring that up is because Ring of Honor brings everything full circle. And you see AJ Styles at that point in time was a fresh rookie from Ring of Honor. That was in Impact Wrestling. I felt it appropriate to share that story. Because Sting gave one Ring of Honor upstart his first world championship. We go to our main event of the evening as... Adam Page faces Adam Cole. So, the first thing that we get, honestly, is a Let's Go Adam, Adam Sucks chant. Oh my god. So, then we get our champion, Adam Page, trying his damnedest to hit his buckshot lariat, which is basically just a clothesline. Um... And the crowd is milking the fact that both of their names are Adam by chanting, let's go Adam, Adam sucks. I, I, I don't know, man, I just can't, you know, like I'd been on this emotional roller coaster with CM Punk and MJF and sitting here and telling you all the story and the the next story and the the next story and the the next story and i by the time that this match rolled around i didn't put a review for it but honestly if i had to give it a review i would give it 3 out of 5 stars i should give it three and a half, almost reaching that like three full stars and then a half a star almost reaching that four star you know um period if you will but there's like there's no spice there there's there's steak of course it's sizzle and then you you get that good taste in your mouth and then it's like you're sitting there and then you're chewing on it for a minute you know 
but then it's it's hard to swallow. It's hard to keep it down, you know, because he's just it's it's just leaving that that good taste in your mouth, but you're looking for that great taste to complement it, you know. CM Punk MJF had that great taste. Anyway, everyone, I appreciate you showing up. And for what it's worth, I'm losing my voice. But I haven't lost my passion for this. Thank you so much for tuning in this week. Also, I've got a book coming out soon. I hope you all would, you know, maybe at least read the first chapter. See if you like it. You know, if not, then it's going to be available on Apple um, Bookstore. It's also going to be available for... I don't know if it'll be for free. Hang on. Let me let me not say that, because... I don't know. I don't know how I'm supposed to make some money, you know. It's all about the money. You know, I should probably not make that. So I'm going to recant that last statement that it's going to be for, for, you know, free is a four letter word. So, I mean, at least around these parts it is. Um, so I'm just, you know. I'm going to try not to do that anymore. Thank you all so much for joining me in these trying times. And um, listen to the noise of my bedroom because we haven't had sex yet. Thank you all so much for all of your time. I'm sorry for all of my ball-dropping jokes and antics and all of the uh, shortcomings that I keep coming up with. I just figured, you know, it all comes full circle, so why not end this episode the same way that it began? Thank you all so much, and um, have a great day, and bye-bye. Pressed the wrong button. Sorry. I thought that I pressed the end and skip button, but instead I was, I almost disconnected my microphone, which wouldn't have been good for my audio file. <laughs>